from the Tigers' sideline. It's Tigers Talk with Memphis broadcasting legend Greg Gaston. Hear Greg weekday mornings on Sports 56 Mornings along with Eli Savoy from 7 to 10 right here on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. On Twitter X at Greg underscore Gaston. Here's Greg with Bryant and Brett. Greg Gaston joins us now. You can hear him every single morning with Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli. He was also uh, on the broadcast last night for Memphis and Charlotte over on ESPN+. Plus. Greg, thanks so much for joining us. And uh, a good win for the Tigers last night, 76-52 to over the Charlotte 49ers. Much different from what we saw uh, last week in those two road games in Texas against North Texas in SMU. What stood out to you? What was different from the Tigers that you saw last night than what you saw in those two road games? Yeah, first of all, good afternoon, guys. Great to be on with you again. Home cooking certainly helped, but this was uh, certainly a desperate time, and they came through. We heard what Penny had to say about the practices on Monday and Tuesday, that he felt they were two of the best all season long. They worked on things like boxing out, and we saw that they were much better rebounding the basketball in that game last night. I just believe that after the embarrassment of that game against SMU on Sunday, they came back, they heard all the negativity out there in the city, and, and certainly understandable to a certain extent of, uh, of people not being happy with the situation. 27-point um, loss at SMU, I mean, that's, that's crazy. But they were challenged by Penny. They were challenged by this coaching staff. He made you know, adjustments, not too many changes in the lineup, but Jaquan Walton came off the bench, played an awful lot. But they did play with just a little bit extra in their giddy-up. There was something last night. And, you know, There were times when they, they certainly missed assignments on defense, but I think for the most part that was the best defensive effort we've seen in a while. Mm-hmm. For the most part, they, they responded, and that was important because I was really worried about that game, if it didn't go their way and it went south, what the reaction would be the next day because talk is cheap and there's only so much you can do. But they came through for Penny. Penny said you'd see a different team, and they were a different team last night. Yeah, they almost had to, and they, they did. Greg, I would say in your time in town, low side you've called 400 Tiger games. Have you ever put a number to it? I've never thought about it, but I wouldn't be surprised. I was doing my first games in 96. And in the early years, we were doing a lot of Tigers games. Not about 20. A lot of uh-huh. Tigers games. About 20, sometimes even 22, 23. It was crazy. Yeah. We would do tournaments. Games. Uh-huh. Absolutely. So it's a lot less now, but you know, I, I don't think that's a ludicrous number. Uh, not at all. And, and then you throw in games that you go to for this radio station or for your work at TV stations. So we're, we're, we're easy over 500. And, and I bring it up because that, that's, that's, that's more than a good sample size. We've heard so much this year about worst loss ever, worst I've ever seen. You know, heard Sunday, you know, one of the worst displays. I, th- I go back to last year's FAU loss in the tournament that I think that is the worst loss in Tiger basketball history for this reason. Not how they played. They played hard. They didn't get the, the, the timeout recognized. Coulda, shoulda, all that. But what it prevented, because they would have defeated Fairleigh Dickinson, they had a really good shot at the Garden against Tennessee. I think they had a good shot at Naquan Tomlin in Kansas State. What it prevented, Sunday afternoon is the first chance you can get some payback for that. Yeah, I, I hear I hear what you're saying, and 
to to an extent, it certainly makes sense. You're looking at what could have happened as a result of winning that game and having lost that game and watching Florida Atlantic go to the Final Four. It was a devastating loss. No question about it. There are other people that would believe that a performance-laden game mm-hmm. where you get blown out would be more... Black Sunday. Uh, yeah, it would be a game they would list under under worse losses. Drexel gets think, mentioned. Uh, no, no question. I was there. I was I was at the pit for that one in, uh, in Albuquerque, and boy, oh boy, was that a bad loss. And that's going way, way back. But the, the game on, on Sunday when there were plays that they quit on, they weren't getting back on defense, it seemed like that was rock bottom. So certainly, and then you think back to that USF game where they had a 20-point lead, they were cruising, this team was playing incredibly well, they obviously got up to number 10 in the nation and lost that 20-point lead. To me, that really changed things for the Tigers, and it changed things for USF going in the other direction. That win catapulted them to where, where they are now at the top of the standings. But the um, the loss to Florida Atlantic last year was, was certainly devastating because you had played well. I praise, and I still do, the coaching job that Penny did last year. He had a standout player in Kendrick Davis and another darn good player in DeAndre Williams, and the rest of the guys were role players and they knew their role, and they got better as the season progressed. And I thought that he did a great job in coaching them to get them in the position that they were in. And we talked about it, Brett. You talked about it. I talked about it. Everybody talked about, wow, look at the road that's set up. Even though they weren't a two or three or four season, look at the road in front of the Tigers. It's right there for the taking. They had outplayed them. Obviously, the controversy with the timeout, no timeout. But the last play, devastation, playing uh, Matador defense uh, as Florida Atlantic gets the win and, and the guy gets to the bucket. And that is devastating when you think about what could have come from that victory. Who knows if they would have went as far as Florida Atlantic. Nothing's guaranteed. But at least they would have had that opportunity, and they were thwarted that opportunity by Florida Atlantic. So, yes, Sunday is that first payback against the Owls. This was the game, this one and, of course, the last game of the regular season before the conference tournament in Boca, these were the two games that everybody, not just Memphis or Florida Atlantic fans, but everybody around the conference or college basketball that looked at the American Conference, they looked at those two games. They circled those two games. Florida Atlantic is sitting there near the top. They're in third place at 10-3, and and they've had some moments that you wonder, well, maybe not as good as last year, but they've also had moments where you go, yeah, this is the same type of team. Obviously, the Tigers have had the weirdest year ever, Jekyll and Hyde, great at the beginning, not so good here of late with the exception of last night. So you wonder if that will have the impact that I thought it would have to begin the season. Well, I know the ticket sales are good for this one. I know there's a lot of folks that have gone out and purchased individual game tickets for this particular one. And, of course, you have the season ticket holders. I think it'll be a very, very good crowd. I think the crowd will be into it, Brett. I'm not going to sit here and predict a Memphis win. I think it's still an uphill battle, but I think the Tigers coming off the game last night and what you said, having that history with Florida Atlantic from last season, uh, there's if you can't get inspired for a game like this one, then you can't get inspired, period. I think they'll be inspired. I would not be surprised if this game is a game that goes down to the wire, maybe even overtime. And that, and that darn loss in Columbus, what it potentially prevented – if they go on and, and, and just beat, they'd beat Fairleigh Dickinson. I, I think we can all agree with that. If they just do that, sweet 16, 
that that insulates Penny Hardaway from a lot of this noise. If he goes that next weekend to Madison Square Garden in Beach, Tennessee, we're renaming streets, and he's got a ten-year contract. Yeah, that's that's how close it was, right? It's it how was close, close it is. Game, but you can only look at what happened. Uh, you can't sit here and say, "Well, if this happened, it would have been this." It didn't happen. They they lost. It was a devastating loss. And, but for and, the Tuck Rule and Tom Brady, <laughs> <laughs> well. Defensively, and, and I know this team has had its issues this year, but Penny came in with the mindset of playing great defense, that we will win a lot of games and have a lot of success if we play great defense. And last year's team was a good defensive team. They were a real solid defensive team. And again, they didn't have five or six studs from other programs. These guys knew their role. They went in there. They got their nose dirty. They were, they were really hard-nosed players, and they got their share of rebounds. And they weren't burned on the boards. And then this year's team, you watch them at times just look uh, anemic, uh, rebounding the basketball. Not as physical as last year's team. Not as hard-nosed. But we saw it last night. And we saw it at times earlier in the year. So we know it's possible. They're talented, but they can also play the part. But they've only played the part at times. And that's been the biggest problem. So, yes, you know, there's certainly going to be criticism with this team this year. And there should be criticism. A team that was ranked 10th, I can't remember off the top of my head, schools that were ranked 10th during the middle of the season and dropped out where they didn't make the, the tournament. But there's there's still time in the sense that, no, they're not going to get an at-large even if they sweep the four I don't, that are remaining. I don't believe so. I'm not Lenardi or Palm, but I don't think that's possible. I don't think you guys believe it is either. And I know Penny said maybe if we, we win big in all these games, maybe we get back into the conversation. Maybe they do. But right now, the, the mindset has to be on Fort Worth, Dickey's Arena, because they are certainly capable. I'm not saying, I'm not going to sit here and predict that they're going to win, which more than likely will be four games in four nights, or four days. But I think that if they play the way they did last night, they dismantled that Charlotte team. That Charlotte yeah, none, none of these teams scare the me in the league. No, either. but here's the other thing, too. I don't think these teams are scared of Memphis. Not I agree with that. Yeah. They, they, they normally are, right, going into the season. I, I kind of believe that in the Super Bowl thing to a certain extent. I don't think certainly like an Ole Miss, it's like it's their Super Bowl when you play in the SEC. But when you play in the American and you've just come over from Conference USA and you're looking at Memphis and, of course, Florida Atlantic this year as the behemoths. And, and so there's stepping up to play those guys. Well, now after Memphis has gone through some losses and some bad times, there's no fear to play Memphis, but I think on the other end, like you said, I don't think there's a team that Memphis can't beat. Now, I, you ask me next week after this Florida Atlantic game, if they get throttled at home, then I might be singing a different tune. <laughs> but I think it's possible. I think it's possible. It's highly unlikely that they run through and get the AQ, but it's possible. I know uh, Jalen Young's been dealing with an injury. He was out again last night. But what have you heard on uh, on uh, uh, Hardaway, Jane Hardaway, and Jordan Brown, uh, their injuries, why they were out? And then what is your thoughts on what happened with uh, David Jones? And it sounds like a scratched eyeball. Or are you concerned about that for, for Sunday? Well, the first part of the question, the three guys that didn't play last night, if I'm not mistaken, uh, I heard Wolo and Penny's interview after the game, and Penny said that the three of them should be okay to go mm. on Sunday. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's what he said. Now, whether or not I, I did too, I listened as well, them, Greg. Right, right. So that's what he said. Again, he's 
He's not limiting the rotation. But and of course last night with David Jones going out, you had to you had to find ten to fifteen more minutes from other guys and there was a limited bench. So I was not surprised with, with most of the guys playing, everybody I believe but Noah Stansbury. Mm-hmm. Um so we'll see if those three guys come into play. Now this is a game against Florida Atlantic that I believe will be close, like I told you. Therefore I think he would shrink he should shrink his bench. Hopefully he will shrink his uh, shrink his rotation, excuse me, and not go real deep on the bench because this is the type of game when you need your studs to be all playing 32 to 35 depending on the foul situation and things of that nature. But the David Jones thing that you brought up, Brian, is the most important thing because mm-hmm. I haven't heard anything today. Uh, and I've been basically sitting at home and, and keeping up on X, and I have not, unless I missed it, anything further on his eye that seemed to have been scratched uh, in that game last night that took him out. If they don't have David Jones, you talk about an uphill battle because David Jones is 22 points a game. Where are you going to get that output offensively? Who's going to step up if he can't go? So fingers crossed for Tigers fans out there that David Jones is able to go on Sunday and you got the full arsenal. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what did you make of uh, of Jaquan Walton last night? We we heard Penny Hardaway say earlier in the week, a couple of times that he was going to shake up the the rotation. That you know you were only going to see guys that cared, and and people were wondering what would that mean to starting lineup. Walton came off the bench. He immediately gets hit with a technical, and they, they called it a double tech on on both guys. Uh, but he ends up with nine points. Five rebounds seemed more engaged uh, both on the bench and on the court. What did you think about him coming off the bench last night? Penny kicked him in the butt, not literally, (laughs) kicked him in the butt figuratively, and he responded. Mm -hmm. And he has been at times, unfortunately more times than not, kind of sleepwalking, going through the motions. He hasn't shot the ball real well. He's not been uh, as – he doesn't communicate like I think Penny thought he would. But last night, that technical foul, you think about it, you're going, oh, is that a good thing? Well, it's a double technical, so it doesn't sure. matter. It evened out. But that's what he wanted to see. He wanted to see fire, and that's what he got from Walton. So whether or not that ignites him for the remainder of the season, which would be nice, we'll find out on Sunday. But I think Walton got the message last night, and I thought he had a really good game coming off the bench. Greg, last night, a lot of fouls called in the Memphis-Charlotte game. A lot of fouls called it in the Ole Miss-Mississippi State game around college basketball. It's a tough job. I'm not, this is not an attack on the referees. I know a lot of college basketball referees. I'm friends with them. I know they have a hard job not to sure. do. What, what? How would you like to see? Would you like to see no blood, no foul, or would you like to see it uh, by the – the strict definition of the rule book. If you if you want contact, football's your sport. Yeah, in my prerogative, I would like to see less fouls called in the game than more fouls called in the game, unless it's just a bloodbath out there. We're talking about some teams that play incredibly physical, and they shouldn't be able to get away with murder, if you will. They they should be calling those games a lot tighter. And who knows if the officials talk about it going into a game that all right, this one is going to be two physical teams. we got to call it closer because if we don't, maybe it gets out of hand. Who knows what happens in the meetings as they prepare for a game. But overall, in general terms, I don't want to see a free-throw shooting contest. I just don't. Now, down the stretch, don't eat the whistle. If there's a play and it happens to be an obvious call 
and it may determine the fate of a game, you call the game. That's why you're paid, to make those tough calls. But overall, I would say, Brett, yeah, I would rather have less calls in a game than more calls in a game. Yeah, absolutely. I know we were talking about uh, the the conference tournament earlier. It will be here before we know it. How high do you think the Tigers can get in terms of seeding for the conference tournament if they you know continue to find success over these last four games? It's interesting. So I tried to to study the scenarios before I came on with you guys, <laughs> and it's still mind boggling. I'm looking at it right now. So you have a bunch of teams that have only played 13 games so far in conference and others like Memphis has played 14. And for those who don't know out there, you got South Florida at 13 and one, you got Charlotte at 11 and three, you got Florida Atlantic at 10 and three, you got SMU at 10 and three, UAB at nine and four, and then Memphis eight and six with a half game lead over North Texas and East Carolina. Remember North Texas would have the head to head tiebreak against Memphis, East Carolina. They still have to play, but Memphis is looking to try to get to the top four. I think it's going to be incredibly tough to do so. Even sweeping Florida Atlantic, that would be, let's say, Florida Atlantic doesn't lose another game. They'd only have five losses. Memphis already has six. If Florida Atlantic lost both games to Memphis and lost to another team, then Memphis would win that head-to-head tiebreak. So that would be one that you leaped. Um, I looked at the tiebreak scenarios. Obviously, uh, you look at head-to-head. After head-to-head, it's the best record against the highest seed in the tournament. And unfortunately, the highest seed looks like, unless they go down the tank the last two weeks of the season, is going to be South Florida. And Memphis lost in their only game to South Florida. So they would lose the tiebreak against a couple of teams like SMU, who beat South Florida. So long-winded answer. I, I think it's really going to be tough to get to the top four. And that means you won't get the double bye. That means you're going to have to win four games in four days. Greg, I did this to Bryant the other day, so here, here you go for you. I'm going to set the number at one and a half, over or under one and a half, the number of NCAA tournament wins by the AAC. Over, under one and a half. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go over, under one and a half. That's a good number, too. So that would have to be getting to the Sweet 16. No, it, it could be a collection of teams. Could you know, I mean you could have two teams each win two games? You yeah, could have two teams go over. You could have two teams. I don't know about that. I just each I win don't know one. It's going to happen. No, I understand that, but I don't. I don't know if they're going to get multiple teams. I, I think either seriously, I believe that either if Florida Atlantic is going to win that conference tournament, or Memphis is going to make a run. Although the percentages are, are low, but I, I still think it's possible. I don't. Th- I think South Florida is going to get beat in the tournament. They're not going to have a good enough resume non-conference to get in at large. Although they've been creeping up slowly, but they're still well on the outside looking in. I, I you know, right now as a betting man, I'd say Florida Atlantic gets in, and that may be it. Yeah. So and win one. Yeah. So game, under. Yeah. Well, I, I, can they win? Can they get to the Sweet Sixteen? I, I think they no. have the talent. It's, it's basically the same team that's that's back from last year. I would, I would tend to say under. Um, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if they got to the Sweet 16 again. But I'd go under for betting purposes here. Does it feel like for you, I mean, do you think USF can, can win the conference tournament? Who do you think can really win this, this conference tournament? Well, I, I just said Florida Atlantic. Mm-hmm. I, I still think Memphis can make a run. Yeah. I think SMU is playing really well. I think they can win the tournament. 
I, I just, I'm sorry. I don't, I know South Florida has been really good. They squeezed by UTSA on the road uh, last night. I don't think they're having a great year. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're as good as that record would indicate. I don't think they're, I'd be surprised if they win the conference tournament. I think it's going to be one of those three teams. I don't think, look, Charlotte, my gosh, Patterson, no. I know, got into foul trouble early, but they did not look good at all. And I don't think there's anybody else that I would consider seriously. UAB, North Texas, you know, these are these are decent teams, uh, and obviously they beat Memphis. Yeah. But we 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 saw last night again what they're capable of doing. I don't know if these teams can put it in that gear that Memphis did, other than SMU and Florida Atlantic. Maybe USF can do it, but I just think there's going to be they're going to falter uh, in the tournament. Greg, I know. I, th- I think you're going to the Cal Ripken event tonight that we've heavily I am. I am. promoted, and we appreciate being a p- part of that promotion Absolutely. package. Uh, so, you, you, the Colts were your football team, and the Phillies are your baseball team. Did you have any tug of war in '83? Was any of you for the Orioles? Was it was it all Phillies? No, my wife was for the Orioles. She was a huge Baltimore fan. I was for the Phillies, and obviously, look good up one zero. <laughs> Look, I'm a, I'm a Phillies fan. I had nothing to do with the Baltimore Orioles other than I got a chance to cover them and actually uh-huh. be able to cover Cal Ripken Jr. But I was a Phillies fan through and through. But it's very weird because people wonder why I was a Colts fan. And I told that story just growing up as a, as a young kid. And you start to go out there and you buy apparel. And, you know, I just I remember going to the Burt Jones was your guy. Burt yeah. Jones was my guy. But I started liking the Colts before Burt Jones when Johnny U, when I remember watching on TV and seeing that U on the helmet with the black tops, with the flat top hair, with the number 19. And Raymond Berry. Just Raymond Berry, Tom Maddy, Norm Bulash. John uh, Mackey. Uh, John Mackey, the great tight end. Don Bubba Nottingham. Smith, <laughs> the bowling ball, Don Nottingham. <laughs> Bubba Smith was one of my favorite players. The uh, my, who, my, my wide receiver, Sa- uh, Sam Haverlack. Sam Haverlack, they had, that was a Gene Carr, or Carr, it was, uh, uh-huh. I think it was Carr. Raymond Berry, we already mentioned that, that was a little bit before that, but yeah, I, so I fell in love with the Colts, and, and people in South Jersey were like, what are you doing, why aren't you, <laughs> why aren't you an Eagles fan? Now I'm a Colts fan, and I'm a Phillies fan, and, I was and a Flyers fan. Razorback Hockey. fans would love it, Billy Ray Smith Sr. Uh, was on Billy the Colts. Billy Ray Smith, absolutely, absolutely, but the one thing I didn't, as a kid, I was not a big NBA guy, I was more a college basketball fan. And then grew into an NBA fan when when Dr. J came to Philadelphia. Although I, I don't consider the Sixers my team, I really don't consider having an NBA team. So I, obviously, I, I hope for good things for the Grizzlies. But from a rooting interest, really, no NBA team. I never had one growing up. Greg, when we come back, we're going we're, we're going to take the break. When we come back at five thirty, Johnny's going to play the highlight from forty four years ago today, February twenty second. 1980, Dateline, Lake Placid. It was a Friday afternoon. Where yeah. were you when the United States beat the Red Army, the Soviet Union, in four to four to three in Lake Placid? Where were you that day? I, I watched it. Give me the date again, and maybe I can come Today, up with kind of a Feb- scenario. Fe- February 22nd. No, no, the year. I'm sorry. 1980. 1980. So 1980. So I was. I didn't. I didn't start college to September of 80. So I was a senior in high school in February, and I would say I was probably up to no good. No, I, mean, I, was, at, I was watching that game, probably watching that game at home. Did you know it was taped when you watched it that Friday night? Did you know the result that they had already played? 
I did not know the result. I, I did didn't not know it. the result. I don't know if it was because I, I wasn't looking or I, I didn't need to think about that you can do that and that it was taped. I, I had no clue. I, I still don't know what the blue line is, so I sure didn't know oh, it's already been played. Well, there's, there's, still, there's still a lot of people that believe the Miracle on Ice was for the goal, and it was not. It was not. So Sunday afternoon was for the goal. But it was, uh, it was absolutely amazing. In fact, I put that down as a topic to talk about tomorrow. Uh, somebody came up with it on Twitter today, and I thought it was great, so I want to steal it from them, that if you can, if you can go back in time and relive watching one sporting event, what would it be? Oh, wow. Whether you were born or not born, whatever it is, in the history of sports, Very good. what would be the one event that you want to be able to see, have them do it again, and you'd be involved in watching it? Of course, it was on television. It was not live. I didn't know Lake Placid existed until that day. <laughs> and and, and, and but I do think that is the number one sports moment in my life. It's hard to beat. It really is hard to beat. I mean, there were some amazing Super Bowl moments. And when Jim O'Brien kicked that field goal in Super Bowl five for the Colts mm-hmm. to win 16-13 was a great moment. But the pride we had in our country, right, the red, white, and blue, and, uh, you know, going into the 80s, going into um, U.S. I think you know, Nicholas at the Masters, that. 86, is second. That Look. Nicholas in 86, you know, some some Tiger moments. These are all great moments. But, mm-hmm. you know, to pick out one that you could relive, whether you missed it or whether you saw it, to be there in person if it wasn't televised or to watch it on TV, that's something to think about. So i got to think well, about that. Well, Greg, stay tuned. Tomorrow. You'll hear the dulcet tones of Al Michaels. He's done well in for, the last 44 years, hasn't he? He's done all right. Never heard of him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, local Los Angeles TV guy. Got stuck with hockey and, and kind of came out of with a big break out of it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> something like did that. Did okay for himself. Yeah. yeah. Did all right. Did all right. Well, Greg, as always, thanks so much for Thank joining you, us. We'll do it again next week. Thanks, guys. Take care. Thanks, Greg. Greg Gaston, uh, he joins us every week. Talk Tigers, you can hear him every morning and be a part of that conversation tomorrow morning that he will bring up uh, during Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli. Well, we are late for a break. Let's go ahead and grab that. When we come back, we'll talk about what's trending. You already know you can listen to Sports 56 anywhere with the Sports 56 app or at sports56whbq.com. But you can also watch us daily with live video of all of our shows on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. Now back to Sports Time on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Here once again are Brett Norsworthy and Bryant Dacus. Uh, no, Johnny, I, w- I wanted you to play the Al Michaels, the the countdown of winning the game over the Soviet Union. You got that ready? 28 seconds. Thank you. The crowd going insane. Carlamon. Shooting it into the American end again. Morrow is back there. Now Johnson, 19 seconds. Johnson over to Ramsey. The Yelechinov gets checked by Ramsey. McClanahan is there. The puck is still loose. 11 seconds. You've got 10 seconds. The countdown going on right now. Morrow up to Schultz. Five seconds left in the game. Do you believe in miracles? Yes! Unbelievable. That was 
44 years ago today, as I said with Greg, it was a Friday afternoon. Brian, I played in a church league basketball game that really? afternoon. Yeah. And forgive me, but we were already over to friend's house drinking beer after a Friday <laughs> afternoon big church league basketball game oh, and, 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 and watching it with his parents. In fact, where I watched it is not a hundred yards from where I'm sitting right now. Really? And, 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 and some of the room knew it was taped and some didn't. Mm. And late in the game, I didn't believe that they really did. So for veracity's sake, a lovely person, she, she wrote down the score, but covered it up. So uh, I, where I yeah. couldn't see it. So then when the game was over, I said, you really did? No, I said, how'd you sit there and enjoy it like that? <laughs> That's great. But, but we did, we did enjoy it. And that call, the best part about it is that net sound of that crowd mm-hmm. about to tear the oh, yeah. roof off. Oh, yeah. And, and that was, emblematic of the i almost choked up uh, of the entire country yeah no absolutely i mean one of the biggest sports moments in uh in american history and i mean just every the, year the upset yeah i mean j- just two weeks before that in a friendly exhibition whatever they had met at madison square garden and i think mm-hmm. the final was like 10 to 3 yeah yeah it was and, and you know, had to pull Jim Craig as goalie. I didn't know any of this at the time. I've read about it since. Because, sure. again, I still don't know what a blue line is well, or offsides or any of that well, stuff. we gotta, we got to fix that, Brett. I, I think I got in the crease down. I think okay. I got that down. Right. I'm but, still trying to learn, too, Brett. Oh, <laughs> Johnny, hey, we'll look. I, it, it, and, and that was going to be hockey's big you know, big moment, and you know that it 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 didn't last long. And Jim Craig was on the cover of Sports Illustrated a few weeks later, being drafted by Atlanta in the mm, yes. in the NHL. But it was some upset. The call by Al Michaels is great. Ken Dryden, the analyst, and he was a legendary NHL goalie. His unbelievable, just one word, almost made the call. Oh yeah, no. That I mean that is one that doesn't get talked about as much, but I mean a super underrated call. So Mikey and Dryden story, one night if you if you ever played, did you ever hear of Trivial Pursuit? The uh, game? Yeah, I've heard of it. I've never played okay. it though. Well, it was uh, it was famous in the 80s. We're playing a big Trivial Pursuit game one night and the, to win the whole big thing was who was the analyst on hockey? With Al Michaels at the 1980 Lake Placid Winter Olympics, yeah. and I said Ken Darden. I really didn't. Know, and <laughs> I, I got the because you know I, I didn't know hockey, but sure. I, I and and a big row ensued over. No, you didn't get it right. I said closer than you ever would have gotten yeah, it. You didn't. Yeah. You you wouldn't have gotten Ken right. <laughs> and, and had a big row over Ken Darden Dryden. Wow! Wow! Well, uh, hey, at least you got yep. Part of it, I guess, closer than they would have, like you said. But no, I mean, I, obviously before my time. But you know, they they made the movie of it, Miracle, and, and I, I never my, saw the movie. Oh, one of my favorite movies of all yeah. time. I love it, and so obviously from a young age, uh, watching that movie, knew about just kind of that entire you know road to it, and and then winning that game is just an unbelievable story. Well, well I, I bet that was informational for you yeah, to absolutely. to kind of know that whole backstory and. And just what a heavy favorite. Some even said at that time that it would have been the equivalent of a bad high school baseball team beating the World Series champions. 
yeah. that year. Yeah. Which I think was Greg's Phillies in, yeah. in, in fall of 80, fall of 79 was, was we are family, the Pirates. But, but, you know, the, it was just such the underdog and had so many things going on around the story. The great Vern Lundquist has, has told the story that in December of 1979, Rune Arledge, who was the biggest name in network broadcasting at that time, and, you know, kind of the creator of Monday Night Football. And I think by this time he's running all of ABC, not just the sports division. But anyway, mm-hmm. he has all the talent, all the announcers okay. that are going to work on the 1980 Olympics to uh, in Lake Placid. He had them all to New York City for workshops and get-togethers before and, and to divvy up assignments mm-hmm. for, for things for the Olympics. And the the two biggest names at ABC at that time were Howard Cosell mm-hmm. for Monday Night Football and Keith Jackson for college football. Yeah. And they knew that Jim McKay would be in his role as studio host mm-hmm. that he really made famous out of the out of the heart heartache and the tragedy of the 1972 Munich Olympics Summer Olympics in 1972 when the Israeli athletes were killed by terrorists. So they knew he would be in that role. But Keith Jackson could just just about name whatever role he wanted to be in, and Cosell was kind of floater. He would he would do you know he he would do a couple of different things, and the Olympics really weren't his strong suit. Mm-hmm. So Vardalunkwa said that Keith Jackson walked into a meeting and with that big booming voice said, "I don't care what you you put me on. You're not sticking me with hockey. I'm doing." <laughs> Uh, I'm doing Eric Hyden from Kenosha, Wisconsin. Uh, He's going for Olympic record in speed skating. Do not stick me on that blankety blank hockey. I'm doing, uh, I'm doing, uh, speed skating. So, Vern, uh, our, our, our Rune said, well, well, who's got some hockey experience? And Al Michael said, well, I did the Kings a few years for, you know, KLAC in, in Los Angeles. You know, I I got some hockey and, you know, it made, made his career. That's incredible. I did not know all of that. That is new, uh, a new story to me. That's incredible. I mean, so just kind of was not first pick, just kind of, we got to find somebody who in here has done hockey. Yeah. And you're, you're stuck with it. Wow. And, and, you know, and, and Ken Dryden, I, I don't, I don't know if he had retired. And, and Google real quick who he, I think he was famous goalie for the Canadians on, on some of their, on, on some of their dynasty teams. But, you know, I, you know, they, I'm sure they were just pro- probably trying to find, you know, just anybody would spend two weeks up there and, and do it because it was such a foregone conclusion that the Soviet Union would, would steamroll through the Olympics. Yeah, no, and that was, uh, that was, the, I mean, everyone thought that, and like you said, they played in that exhibition, you know, before at Madison Square, and it was not even, not even close, it wasn't even a competition. Uh, but you're right, uh, Ken Dryden, uh, Dryden played for the, uh, the Canadians, that's right, the Montreal well, Canadiens. So. Old number 30, I think. Your spot, uh, maybe, I didn't, I, uh, Why do so many goalie types wear 30? That's a good question. I don't know. I could Is it just kind of like quarterbacks wear 12 a lot? I think so. I think Cause, so. Because Jim Craig was number 30 for that Olympic team. And yeah. there, are, there are a lot of 30s. There are a lot of number ones. Interesting story. The backup goalie on that Olympic team, I think his name was Steve Jansen, okay. ne- never played a second. Really? It, it, not at the Olympics. Not wow. in Lake Placid. Never, never, wow. never got on the ice except for celebration. When the country was in a, you know, a, a – very different spot. Uh, you know, President Carter, a really, really, really fine man, but it had 
you know, a tough hand, tough years as president, mm-hmm. and sure, you know, sure wish him the best in in what he's going through. Over a year now in wow. in hospice care, can you imagine? And and really good man, but the, the country was in a tough spot at that time, and we needed it. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right, and I mean hockey. Who would have thought, Brett? Hockey. <laughs> I love it. No, but um, certainly fun and, and always, uh, you know, you always get it when, you know, Team USA is in, uh, you know, the win- you know, Winter Olympics come around and, and Team USA is playing hockey. You'll get clips from the Miracle on Ice and, and obviously, and I'm telling you, get ready. I mean, we're about to have some some really good American U- uh, American hockey teams for the Olympics, so get ready. I'm looking forward to it. Are we sending the pros again? Uh, I believe so. Um, I think I think we are. So uh, it sounds like, from what I've heard, that uh, that there's going to be some really good USA teams. Uh, another real factor in that game was, you know, the, the Cold War with the Soviet Union, yeah. and we almost knew that we were going to boycott and not send a team mm-hmm. to the 1980 Summer Olympics in Moscow. Right. Oh wow. I yeah. I didn't think about that either. But yeah. I mean. Unbelievable! One again, one of my favorite. I've only seen the movie. I've seen obviously clips from the actual game, but um, the movie is really where I have gotten and and some books and stuff like that. Yeah, I've seen I the movie too. Most I've seen of my information, but I mean, it's turned into even though I was not around then, one of my favorite sports events in history. And, but and but as Greg said, you movies. had to come back and win on Sunday yeah. to win gold, yeah. and I, I I think that was against Finland. I think it was think. Finland. It was Finland. Yeah, and had had to win that one. Are you? Know, it, it, a little bit like the, the David Freeze home run. Mm. Would, would, would it have been as big if the Cardinals Good come question. back and lose Game Seven? Yeah. yeah if you know, if the beat Soviet Union on Friday and you know get shut out for Zip by or is it Neil in hockey? I don't know. Uh, no, it's Zip. It's not. Is it okay? I mean, it, it, lose four to nothing, and, and you know on Sunday and you know silver medal. Yeah. Is it as good a story? Probably not. Probably not. No, that's a really good point. And, and same thing with with David Freeze, because I mean that is by far the marquee moment of that of that series and really that entire season. And you had to come back and win uh, another game to uh, to win it all. That's my favorite sports moment. I talked sure. about of everything has been done. Nineteen eighty Olympics, Nicholas in eighty six. Mm-hmm. We can watch those on television to be, to attend in person. Freezes home run far and away, oh, yeah. number one, and then I have about a twenty-way tie for second. I love that. Uh, uh, a big That's old great. miss wins. Yeah. T- uh, I was there for Tiger's fifteenth mm-hmm. at, at Augusta, uh, his, his fifth Masters, his fifteenth major, and and Coach Bryant's last game here in Memphis yeah. at, at, at the Liberty Bowl. Yeah, no, there's certainly when when Greg brought up that that topic that he said he's going to bring up on on his show in the morning of I'll know, be listening. What's a, what's a game? What's a sports event that you wish you could go back and? I mean, I was having a really hard time. I was in my head going, "Well, this or that or that." I mean, I was having a tough time trying to figure out one. Almost as good as not knowing anything about hockey is watching '86 Sunday Jack Nicklaus shooting. I think he shot thirty. 35, I think he shot 35-30. I think he shot wow. 30 on the back. I mean, he need, it needed every bit of it. Yeah. And, and watching it with my dad and between us, we couldn't tell you the difference with, between a, a pitching wedge and a nine iron. <laughs> That's great. But hey. And, 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 and watching the Masters, that it, it, it really sparked my yeah. interest in golf. But that, I mean, that song. And knew that was special watching, even though he didn't know much about golf. He knew that was special. <laughs> you know, that, neither one of us really, really knew what we were watching. Right, right. Hey, that's that's sometimes how it goes. Like you say, it can spark uh, a, a long-time fandom, just a moment like that, seeing it. 
um, is definitely huge. And the anniversary of Miracle on Ice is, is certainly something um, that is huge in, in American sports history. But we need to go ahead and get to a break. And when we come back, we'll wrap up today's show with Taco Bell Crunch Time. Do you know one of the best things you can do for your employees or family's health? Provide Arctic Clear Bottled Water. Arctic Clear Bottled Water is your locally owned and operated bottled water provider. Arctic Clear is 100% natural spring water with free delivery and setup, dependable service, and no long-term contracts. What an easy choice. Call Jeff Manus today, 901-382-2363, or visit arctic-clear.com. Arctic Clear Bottled Water. Call now, 382-2363. That's 382-2363. Now back to Sports Time on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Here once again are Brett Norsworthy and Bryant Dacus. This is pretty cool, and we're just getting started, so... You are looking live. In your life have you seen anything like that? Goodbye. It's obviously crunch time. Hammer, nail, coffin. This baby is over. The Double Steak Grilled Cheese Burrito. So good. Double the steak with nacho cheese sauce, seasoned rice, red strips, sour cream, and the three cheese blend wrapped inside a warm flour tortilla with even more three-cheese blend grilled on the top. The Double Steak Grilled Cheese Burrito, it hits the spot now at Taco Bell. And at Taco Bell, when they say they are feeding people's lives with unexpected good, they mean it. Bowl food you can't get anywhere else. Well, Brett, I've talked about it before, but what I learned today, we're getting more and more information about the college football video game series that is returning this season. It was announced today that all FBS schools will be in the game uh, when the game drops, and today it was sent out um, to each player in college football, um, all Scholarship players uh, today could sign on to be in the game, and in return for being in the game, they will each get a $600 check and um, a copy of the game. So now yes. we've seen, we saw every school earlier today post a graphic saying they'd be in the game. Now we're seeing actual athletes posting um, that they are going to be in the game, uh, most notably here locally. Jackson Dart, uh, just about an hour ago, posted on his Instagram page that he will be in the new game. So a lot of the players seem very excited about it, um, and we're getting closer and closer to... uh Getting it back, and, for, and Brad, I know for you that might I can't not wait to get my copy, like it, man. But I'm telling you, me and Johnny, uh, I know you are. I'm getting my copy, man. Absolutely, I know you are. What team are you? You, you going to be the Tigers? Well, yeah, but you know, you got it. You got to take a small school. <laughs> you got to take a small school, bro. I'm leaning Sam Houston right now. That seems like I'm leaning right UMass. Ooh, UMass was a classic back in the day. <laughs> That's a tough one, there, Johnny. Good luck. <laughs> Good luck. Uh, what I learned today. Guess what? Sunday will be at FedEx. For him, Brian. A big one. Must win. Oh, must win. How could I not? How could I miss that? Oh, must win against a Final Four team last year, and they the win over the Tigers. It launched their Final Four run in Columbus. Bad blood from that game, mm-hmm. and any at large slim hopes that remain hang on Sunday afternoon at FedEx Forum. 
It absolutely does. What I could have done without... uh, Brad, I'm going back to the baseball uniforms. I said it earlier. I'm seeing more and more pictures. Um, I saw one earlier. I I can't remember who it was, but they're wearing black sliding shorts under their pants. You could see the slider shorts. You could also see the Nike logo on the sliding shorts. I mean, it's just really bad. Now, I I will say this. Watching the first spring training game uh, earlier today on ESPN, I didn't lose my mind as much as I thought I would on the jerseys and the backs of the jerseys. I think I still need to see. You if know, you're not anything up top, I don't mind seeing. It's That's down right. low, I don't want to see. It's down low. It's the see-through paint. Way down low. Seeing. Yes, so yeah. I, it's, it's really a mess right now. Uh, one time I was playing golf, and a friend of mine asked me, he said, do you ever wear white shorts? I go, no, too much can go wrong. Well, that's a good point. Right, right. Also, <laughs> I like your friend. Also, I saw today some people saying that they have heard that um, the numbers are peeling off when they're getting washed, which would oh, certainly not be a good thing. For of course, Johnny, you know who they'll blame. They'll blame the equipment. They blame the equipment every time. Yeah. Support. Uh, <laughs> I could have done without a couple of things. One, I sent it to you, Brian. A good friend of mine is in Vegas right now at the blackjack table mm-hmm. and firing at them and just lost with a 15 to the dealer with a seven card 17. Oh, Brad, I mean, that's I showed point. it to you. You sure did. And that's the point where I say, that's you know, cruel. I, I've had fun today. I'll see y'all another time. Yeah. I'm, I'm headed to the buffet. Yeah, I've had enough of this. The worst luck. Also, uh, could have done without this. We're getting, getting to the point for college football. Big Ten and SEC aren't playing around anymore. Mm. No more hacky sack. No, no more tomfoolery. They're not waiting on the Ivy League or even the ACC or the Big 12. Those days are over. Their complete takeover of the power structure of college football is happening. No, I think you're right. I'm with you. Oh, where are you beaming tonight? Michigan at Northwestern. Mm. Chris Collins' Wildcats can't stumble tonight against Michigan. Jawan Howard, he's on the way out. 119-59 and all-time Michigan over Northwestern. That includes seven straight overall and three straight at Welsh Ryan on campus in Evanston. Yeah, that should be a really good one. Beam me tonight to uh, the uh, Clippers-Thunder game. I've talked about it a lot, but Clippers right now in third, uh, Thunder right now in second in the West. That should be a Give me the love fest between LeBron yeah. and Steph oh, on, on TNT late. Yeah, two really SMU games. at FAU is going to be good. That's we got to watch that. A lot of games in college basketball, and I think like 64 games tonight in college basketball. Uh, Ohio State good. at Minnesota yeah. is kind of bubblicious. Yeah, I like that one too. Some really good games in college, a good slate to start uh, the NBA back up, so it should be a really fun night of basketball. But that's all the time we have. Enjoy your night. We'll talk to you tomorrow afternoon. We're going to be live from the Crazy Coop out in Bartlett. Let me remind you, come out there. We're going to be giving away Tiger tickets, so we'll see you there tomorrow.